Hey, I just need to say I'm super grateful to be here and uh, with you. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 2 today, Joshua chapter 2. And uh, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to, uh, to really lean in uh, during the next 30 minutes or so, to lean in to what God's Word says. Because God's Word is powerful, it's alive, it's dynamic, it's re- relevant to our lives, and equips us for every good work, equips us to walk in faith. So today we're going to read the Bible, explain the Bible, and apply the Bible. You say, well, why do, why do we have to read the Bible? Here's why. Everybody look on the screen. Everybody look. Until I come, devote yourselves to what? Public reading. There it is. Public reading of Scripture. So the Bible says to do this, to give ourselves to the public reading of Scripture. So another translations read, give your time and your effort to the public reading of Scripture. So Paul was saying this. Until I come, hey, you need to recognize this is really significant for God's people to do this. So Paul told Timothy, immerse, immerse the whole community in the story of Scripture. That's what that is talking about. So we don't want to underestimate the power of the people of God in the house of God, reading the Word of God. The Old Testament, Moses, Joshua, Josiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Jesus in the New Testament read the Word of God. And so really it's central to, really should be central to our experience. That's why we do it. So if you're able, would you stand to your feet? And we're going to read Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 through verse 8. I'll read the odd verses, and then you read the even verses. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at the Acacia Grove. And he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men sent out and came to a house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the land. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. So the king's men went out looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you that you're an almighty God, that you're a way maker, a deliverer, that you are the great I am, that there's no one like you. Father, I pray you would stir our hearts in anticipation of unpacking uh, your scripture, uh, the almighty outbreathings of God. Father, I pray you'd encourage us. I pray that uh, you would give us a sense of assurance in you. I pray that we would be instruments in your hands, that we would make a difference in the community. For everybody watching online, I pray they would be blessed. And Father, we would hear the voice of God through the word of God. And everyone agreed by saying, so I'm super excited to be sharing with you uh, a message that uh, I have entitled, The Trajectory Changing God. The Trajectory Changing God. Uh, We're going to look at the story, an interesting story of Rahab, who God radically changed her trajectory. Uh, What we're going to see is that Rahab relates to you. You're going to see that Rahab's story, though you don't share the central part of the story, you share much of the implications of the story. And so it's a a powerful 
uh, passage here, and I'm hoping that we will be able to really grasp it in its entirety. So by way of review, Joshua now is leading the children of Israel. What has happened is that Moses, my servant, is dead. So be strong and be courageous. He tells him over and over again, because I am with you and I am for you. I'm going to help you. You can do this. So God told Joshua, you're the new leader. I've appointed you. You can do it. And so you're going to lead the people of God. Uh, this is the promised land. Uh, it's been promised by the ancestors, and we're going to get it done. So Joshua 2 then introduces Rahab. Some of you people have heard of Rahab. She's this obscure and largely unknown woman who God used to impact uh, and fulfill his purpose. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded because we look at her and over and over throughout the Bible, she's called Rahab the prostitute or the harlot. And then in the New Testament, it continues there. Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute. And you can look at her life and you can think, well, how could God, why would God pick Rahab the prostitute? Sometimes we need to be reminded that God is a trajectory-changing God. We need to be reminded that God can take anyone and totally change their trajectory like he does Rahab. God can use anybody that he wants to use. And what we can do is this. We can categorize people that God does not categorize. Where you put them in a category, but God doesn't put them in that category. Where in our thinking we can do that, like as if, like, you're, like God is the door, but you're like the screen door. You know what I'm talking about? We categorize people as, oh, God, non-usable by God, and then God can use them exquisitely. So all that to say this, stop categorizing people that way, friends. Okay, so it says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, then Joshua secretly, shh, 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 secret, shh, two spies, shh, you don't have to tell everybody. Joshua is determined to keep it as, shh, secret. You don't have to post every time you pray. Shh. Every time you read your Bible, put it out there. Underline a couple extra verses. Shh. You don't have to tell everybody. So Joshua sent out a couple spies on this espionage assignment to spy out the land. And there he went into the city. And by the way, took great guts to do that out in the open. And they went in to check things out because they were going to need to know how to manage taking down the city as the next step of gaining the promised land. Notice there's two spies. 40 years ago, Moses said, I got to have 12 spies. And that didn't work very good because they had a fear report, a fear-filled report. Only two came back with a positive report. So now Joshua says, now that I'm going to decide, all I need is two. We're not going to do the committee thing and all that. I only need two spies. I don't need to consult all those people. I'm going to do two. Then notice it also says here, notice it also says to spy out Jericho. Focus on that. He tells them not to spy out everything because you know what happens when you think about all the battles they are going to have or you're going to personally have. You can get overwhelmed and you can sort of tap out uh, when you think about all that you have to do and all the things in front of you, all the battles and all that. So he focuses just on Jericho, and he says, just, just look at mostly that. So then it says this. So the two men went out, 
and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Her resume simply reads, prostitute. I mean, look, you can read in your Bible, it's, it's what it says here. Rahab is described by her sin. How would you like to be described forever by your central sin? So this is how she's described throughout Scripture, Rahab the prostitute. I think if we were writing the story, uh, we would have never picked Rahab. Would you have picked Rahab to write the story? But God often chooses people that uh, we would overlook. So Rahab lived the only life she knew. I need to give some perspective on Rahab because I think it's unfair if we don't. Rahab lived the only life that she knew. We don't know her background, but the only thing that she knew in the world uh, was this. She didn't really have options. So her lifestyle is selling sex. You have money, she's yours. She makes a living by selling her body. She worked in the red light district, working the walls, applying her trade in the walls of Jericho. That's who she was. She grew up a little girl. I don't think she grew up wanting to be a prostitute. She grew up a little girl dreaming little girl dreams. She grew up a little girl maybe having in, uh, thinking about uh, maybe one day she'd be an Auntie Rahab. She didn't grow up dreaming about what her life would be. So Rahab has a backstory, probably included abuse, probably included a lot of negativity there. But we're told in Joshua 2.15 that Rahab's house was embedded into the city walls of Jerusalem. So Rahab had this prominent residence at the gate of the wall, right there, central. So it's conveniently located so she can apply her trade on a regular basis. And all we can understand is that when men came into town, there she was, centrally located there, one of the first places to visit the red light district. I want to say this. We're going to discover that God looks beyond labels and meets us where we are. God moves beyond labels, beyond the label of the Rahab the prostitute, and meets us where we are. We're going to see that Rahab's profession did not qualify her. See, most of us, we're disqualifying her from a profession of being uh, a woman that would be used of God. We just kind of, not, there's, there's no way, there's no possibility. And so, now why did the two spies decide to stay at her house? Because, there, well, for one thing, there was no Airbnbs that she could stay at. Uh, they were no doubt trying to keep a low profile. They're trying to stay under the radar. They're trying to stay on the down low, because if they get caught, it's treason, and they'll, be, they'll lose their lives. Well, this is a very serious issue here. And so you wanted to be where the travelers came and went, and where you wouldn't be noticed, and also where you could gain information. Brothels are places to gain information. And so it says in verse 2, But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come tonight to spy out the land. Now the word is out. Now everybody knows their cover is blown, and the city's on high alert. Somebody discovered that the spies uh, uh, are in the prostitute's home. So now the king has, is ushering in his soldiers to capture them. Verse 3. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. The king knew exactly where the spies were. Rahab, verse 4, had hidden the two men 
But she replied, yes, and the men were here earlier. She's lying, but I don't know where, they, uh, where they're from. So if there's anything that Rahab knew how to do, listen to me, friends, because of her profession, she knew how to hide men. She did that professionally. That's what she did. She had to hide men like all the time. So she's used to hiding men. So she's really, I mean, Rahab is like, she's really good. She's really good at it. And so uh, I don't know where, she says, I don't know where they came from. It's not my business to ask. So she's like a professional liar too. So because she's asked to do something that went against God's promise and God's purpose, civil disobedience is the only appropriate response because, because uh, she's protecting them from a greater evil. She's thwarting a greater evil, which would be their death. So when they ask her and say, hey, what's going on here? Show us where they're at. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Something about they went running away. Go check by the gate. In fact, if you do, you could probably catch them. You better go now. And so she fakes them out. But I want us to see this. This was a huge risk that Rahab was taking. Because think about it. The king's soldiers could have just searched the house. But what happens to Rahab? It's treason. It's her death and her family's death and the spies' deaths. Everybody dies if she gets caught. And so she knew that. And so she could do nothing if they wanted to look for the spies. So whoever was in charge could have just said, we're going to do a search of the house. Now, she's putting her life at risk. She's stretching forth her neck. This is huge risk that Rahab is doing. And she's willing to risk her life in keeping what she believes about God and what God is going to do. That's faith. Verse 5. They left the town at dusk, yet the gates were uh, was about, were, about were to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you could probably catch up with them. Get after them. Maybe you could, you could catch them. So Rahab is putting herself in harm's way. She protected the Lord's messengers in the eye of the storm. Verse 6. Actually, she'd taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax that she'd laid out. That's what they did in homes in that day because they didn't have air conditioning. So they had flat roofs so they could go up on the roof outside to cool off. And so now we have a prostitute, somebody none of us would pick. And imagine you would never want her to be your next door neighbor. You would never want your kids playing in her house. And now she's making a strong stand for God because of the word that she'd heard. Verse 7. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow, cro the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Verse 8. For the spies went to sleep that night. Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. Now watch what she says. Think about this. All she knows is the degrading, awful culture there of Jericho. Canaan was awful. And so uh, it's not like the inhabitants of the land were being kicked out because God just wanted to bring new people in. They were so vile that they had to go. Now watch what she says. Well, she doesn't know anything about God. All she knows is about false gods. And so she says this, verse 9. 
I know the Lord has given you this land. Look at that. She has more faith than anybody. I know God, Yahweh, has given you this land here, she told them. And we're afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror. That's the stories like of 40 years earlier. So pretty amazing statement that this prostitute says, I know the Lord has given you this land. Is that faith? Is it not? I know. I know what God has done. And Rahab has more faith about what God was doing than anyone else in Israel. So a second point I have here is that God, friends, he's looking for faith. The Bible says this, without faith, it's impossible to even please God. So Rahab was raised in a total pagan culture. She knew nothing about, uh, about God, really. But now she did know that her nation was under judgment. And she'd heard the stories about God. The city of Jericho uh, in Canaan was coming down. And so she understood that. This reality, so she has a heart full of faith, completely unrelated to her culture. So what is amazing about Rahab is the faith that she has here in the middle of absolutely deplorable conditions. Rahab declares, I know your God. Your God is not like our gods. Your God's like the living God, the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. And I know he's given the land to you. And he tells the spies that. And then we get to verse 10. She says, For we have heard how the Lord God made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did at Sihon and Og, the people of the Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. So now the people are still talking about the Red Sea event 40 years later. Verse 11. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one had the courage to fight after hearing such things. Now watch what she says. For your God is a supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. So she she believes God. She, She, a prostitute, has faith in God. Rahab believed that God's story was greater than her story. Many of you need to do the same thing. Many of you, you think your story is greater than God's story. And you point to all the darkness of your story. And so, but God's story is greater than your story, friends. Rahab believed that what God had done was greater than what Rahab had done. And so I know exactly who your God is. He's the Lord God Almighty. So by faith, Rahab realized she was playing for the wrong team and praying to the wrong gods. Rahab now exercises faith. So she'll come into God's family, and she'll come into the inheritance of the Israelites. Well, I'm going to unpack that in a moment. It's absolutely awesome. Verse 12. Now she's going to, she wants to leverage her experience with them. Now swear to me by the Lord that you'll be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. She's brokering a deal here. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho, not if, She has faith that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. So Rahab's cutting a deal to be protected here with the spies. He says, take care of my people. He says, be kind to my people. You look at that here, be kind to my people. Kind there is a Hebrew word, a Hebrew word there, hasid, which uh, which means a covering. It is 
a, a, a covenant there. She's saying, make a covenant with me. Uh, be an umbrella over my life here. Cover me. And Rahab's saying, when Jericho comes down, I want to know that I'm going to be covered. I want this hased, I want this covenantal covering, this loving kindness over me and my family. Do we have a deal? Okay, this is the divine cover, and I want it over me. They're like, okay, we're good. So uh, that's the story there. Now I'm going to, we're going to go to the New Testament, because this is the end of Rahab's story in the Old Testament, but it's not the end of Rahab's story in the Bible, because we have the New Testament. So her legacy continues in the New Testament. And again, we're told over and over again, she's a prostitute, Rahab the prostitute. So now we get to the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew. It's not the only place of genealogy. I want to look at it there. And so you have 14 generations, 14 generations, and another 14 generations. And all the stuff that you want to skip over and all the names that you don't know, you don't recognize, but some of the stuff that you skip over is some of the stuff that God speaks through. Some of the stuff you skip over is some of the stuff God speaks through. So watch verse 5, Matthew chapter 1. Look, it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Oh, so the prostitute had children. Yeah, more on that. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David, through whom came the Messiah. Now check this out. Rahab marries a man named Solomon, who was, happened to be a prince of the Hebrew people. We only hear about him in Chronicles there, about one verse, and he, re, he built Bethlehem. And so Rahab went from a prostitute to marrying a prince and becoming a princess. How was that? She marries Solomon, who says, I know your past, but I also know that God has redeemed you. So God then changed her identity and also her destiny. Her son was Boaz. So check this out. The former prostitute raised one of the most godly men in all of Scripture, Boaz. How did that happen? And how is that full of grace that a prostitute could raise such a great man? She didn't have, you know, the, uh, the advantage of the examples I'm sure that many of us have had. But a former prostitute raises one of the most godly men in the Bible. Her faith changed everything here. And so she went from prostitute to amazing parent, okay, and a mother and a nurturer, which tells me this. Many times we, we make this excuse of, oh, I didn't have great parents. I didn't have good examples. Nor did Rahab here, and look what kind of parent she was. See, God can, can overcome all, all that and changes everything. Then Boaz married a woman named Ruth, and Ruth became the grandmother of King David, and Rahab be, became, you've heard of King David, right? You've heard, heard of King David? Yeah. Rahab became the grandmother of King David. And the woman who was raised a pagan and lived in a world of prostitution and shame shows up in the genealogy of the Messiah. It's staggering, friends. Staggering this, if you could get your mind around it. And God just boldly puts her name in there. 
It's not like, you know, she kind of slipped in there accidentally. No, God boldly puts her name in there. And the word of God lists the lineage of our Savior. And it's not a shame to say Rahab the prostitute. God redeemed the girl and used her story for God's glory. And here's what we know. Here's what I know, friends. He'll do the same for you. And he delights to do so. Okay, your story is not exactly her story. I get that. But the implications of her story are. And God will do in you what he did in Rahab. So now to get to Jesus, to get uh, to Jesus through the genealogy, you have to go through Rahab. So here's my question to you. Why is a prostitute, what is a prostitute doing in the family tree of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? What is a prostitute doing there? See, here's, here's why it's there. God wants us to know God will work through whoever he wants to work through. God identifies with the brokenness of humanity, even in the genealogy. See, God doesn't say, oh, let's skip over. Oh, gosh, Rahab, how'd that get in there? Let's skip over Rahab because she has such a shady background. we got to gloss over her. Let's hit the fast-forward button. Let's just push her to the side. No, boldly, right there in the genealogy, there's the prostitute. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 11. That's not enough. Not just once is she mentioned. Now she's mentioned again. Uh, Rahab's name appears. And in the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith, we're inducting all of the Sunday school heroes that were on the flannel gram. Uh, and so all of them are in here. King David, Sarah, and Abraham, and Moses, and Samson. And, so, and, uh, and imagine if you were there in heaven, and you wanted to get a picture. You, know, you hear people say, oh, when I get to heaven, you know, I just want to talk to, I want to meet the Apostle Paul, or I want to talk to Jesus, or who, whatever. And uh, so imagine that really happened. And there you are. And uh, you want to get in the line to talk to Jesus and maybe get you, you want to get your selfie with Jesus, you know, and, and the line has got 200 million, over 200 million people in that line. And you're thinking, you know, you talk to the clerk and it's going to be millenniums to get a selfie. So you think, I think I'll, I'm just making this up, but you'll get the point. Uh, so I, I think I'll try the Apostle Paul. And uh, okay, so you could go in his line and you check the clerk and you, can I talk to the Apostle Paul? And there's like, 200,000 people, and you're like, dang. <sighs> Anybody else? Rahab, the prophet, has two people in line. I think I'll get my selfie with Rahab, the prophet, because you, know, you know what the truth is? How many of you have ever wanted to talk to Rahab, the prophet? Like, nobody's wanted to take a selfie with Rahab, the prophet. And yet, here she is with all the heroes here, and we read all these great people there in the Bible there, uh, uh, you know, that I talked about David and Moses and Abraham and Sarah and Samson. And then it says in verse 31, check this out, don't miss it. It was by faith, watch. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she'd given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now watch, next. And how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount, you mean, in other words, I don't have time, okay, to recount the faith of what? Like, look at David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the greatest general that's ever lived, the one that wrote the psalms. I don't have time for David, but I have all kinds of time for Rahab the prostitute. How is that, friends? And what does that say about how great she is there? 
And so by faith, Rahab, by faith. See, Rahab had faith that we need to learn about. Rahab, who's learning, living in the red light district, had faith. And so let me, I want to illustrate it, I want to illustrate it this way. Um, that, I want to illustrate it this way. Okay, here it is, here it is. And so I want to illustrate it this way. And so Rahab was like, this is a $20 bill here. And does a $20 bill have value? Does it have value, friends? Come on, you can respond, okay? So does it still have value? Did this happen to Rahab? Yeah, she's crushed. Did it happen to you? You've been crushed, huh? Okay, so there it is. Oh, it's going to get dirty. It's on the ground. Was Rahab crushed in her life? Was Rahab stepped on more than once? Yeah. So does it still have value? Still have value? But it's been crushed on, wrinkled, ruined. Does it still spit on? Does it still have value? I'm just asking. Your life, you've been spit on. Some of you feel like you've been spit on. You've been crushed. You've been ruined. Do you still have value in God's eyes? Not only that, Rahab, was she ever, was she ever torn? Yeah, this is, I put it back together. Still has value, right? Okay, but we look at people and we think they have no value. You know, like, that's your life. What God is saying is that the prostitute had value. Even though Rahab, the prostitute, in the King James, Rahab, the harlot, still has value, even though beat up, broken, stepped on, spit on, stomped on, you still have value. That's what the Bible's saying here. And so, uh, how is it? Says, I don't have time to talk about David, but I have time to talk about Rahab because her story is so important to us. I think we miss this. And so David, hero, watch. David, hero. Gideon, hero. Sarah, hero. Samson, hero. Samuel, hero. Rahab, the harlot. Next to all the heroes. Can we give our sister a break? Like She can't escape. Rahab, the prostitute. Why do we always call her that every time we have breath, breathe her name? Because see, God wants to show us this. God wants to show us that it's never too late. There's the woman working her trade in the walls of Jericho, red light district, and yet she has faith in God. I know you're God. She's never too late for God to step into your story. Friends, I'm telling you, even though you have a rough background, even though you have brokenness and sin, it's never too late with the Almighty. And even if you were in heaven today, so let me continue to tease this out a little bit more. And so here we are. Uh, we're in heaven. Okay, go back to that. Imagine we're in heaven. And uh, we want to get this selfie with Rahab, right? I wanna, so the only two people in line. I'm just going to get a selfie because no one else is available. So I'm going to get the selfie with Rahab. So I go to the clerk and I say, hey, um, I wonder if I could like uh, Rahab, the, 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 pro, the, the prostitute, I wonder if I could get a selfie with her. And so the clerk is like looking and looking and, saying, and typing in the names, saying, um, what was that again? Uh, maybe she goes by Rahab the harlot. Okay, let me check here. Let me check. And uh, there's no one here by that name. 
See, up here, we don't call people by what they were. We don't call people by what they did. We don't call people by how they were labeled. In heaven, we call them by their new name. Rahab is not who she was. Her new name, Rahab the Righteous. Do you want a selfie with Rahab the Righteous? You can do that. But there is no Rahab the Prostitute. See, God doesn't leave you, friends, where he finds you. Have you experienced that? God is not a God that leaves you where he finds you. God did not leave Rahab where he found her. The Bible says there's a righteousness that comes from God by faith. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, the Bible says. Rahab, watch, is not only in the hall of faith, but she teaches us about faith. She's not in the New Testament one time, two times. The half-brother of Jesus, James, says this, James 2.25. Rahab, look at the screen, the prostitute is another example of what? Of faith. All the people in the Bible that you could choose from, Rahab, the prostitute, makes it to the top of the list. Okay, it says, she was shown to be right with God. How do we know she was right with God? It was it because when she saw the, uh, the spy, she said, oh, what, what I, heard about your, I heard about your God. Like, man, your God is an awesome God. Close the door, be filled, and be at peace. Did she do that? No. It was by, watch friends, by her actions. She sees the spies. Who are you? Oh, you're God's men. Oh, come on in. In fact, I'm going to hide you on the roof there. So, uh, and then I'm going to protect you. It was by her actions. And so she said, uh, what she said to them proved her actions. What she did showed her actions. By faith, Rahab became something spectacular. Some of you need to hear that. By faith, you can become something spectacular. But it's by faith. James is saying you can talk about faith all day long. But God calls you to walk by faith, seen by your actions. He said, let me see your faith come to expression there. And James is talking to Christ followers and points to Rahab as an exquisite example of faith. And James says, if you want to know that you have faith, just look at Rahab's life. Look at her life and see what you learn from her life. Rahab the prostitute. We keep calling her that. But it reminds us again that God can work through anyone, regardless of how big your struggles are. That is a word for some of you this morning. How many people believe... You don't have to raise your hands. But how many people have thought, you've thought that you've been canceled out by God uh, because of what you've done? You feel like you've been canceled out by God uh, and you can't do your future because of what you've done, your past. That, friends, is a dangerous lie. So, friends, when con condemnation comes to your life, then remember Rahab. Remember Rahab's life, who had nothing to offer God. Nothing, a prostitute in the red light district, nothing to offer, but uh, she was considered righteous. It's awesome. So when you come to Christ, friends, watch. 
you leave behind all of the labels. You know what I'm talking about? You leave behind all of the labels there that have accumulated in your life. Loser, failure. The other words that you think in your mind that I don't want to say. Say, there's all those, all those labels that you've been labeled with. And so those things, friend, are not real in your life anymore. The story of Rahab tells us that no matter how challenging your yesterday, God is a God who can turn it around. Remember the title of the message? The trajectory changing God. Completely changed the trajectory of this prostitute here. Rahab would come out of Jericho, watch, where she had been used, she'd been abused, and where she, and she entered into the family of God. And so Rahab teaches us that there's no sin, no sin that you have done or has been done to you that can keep you from the grace of Jesus Christ. Redemption is what God does. Redeemer is who Jesus is. See, uh, perhaps there's some reproach in your life, uh, again here, or failure that you carry that needs to be rolled, okay, rolled into your past. If anybody's in Christ, they're new, the old things are passed away. God has never met a need he could not meet. God has never created a life that he cannot use, that he's not intend to use. And when we come to Jesus, he declares over us, you're not that woman anymore. You're not that man anymore. You're not what was done to you. You're not what you did. You're not what you chose to do. You're not what the world has labeled you. You're not the sin that you have done. You are who I say that you are. And God redeems you and he changes your identity. And so he calls you his daughter. He calls you his son. He calls you forgiven. He calls you chosen. He changes your story. He changes your tomorrow. He changes your future. What I love about Rahab's, Rahab's story is this, is that she didn't come out of deliverance and being damaged and set up another brothel in the promised land. That life was behind her. God helped her overcome that. And so I want to pray with us. I want to wrap this up. Uh, and so if the band could come up and we could bow our heads in a word of prayer, I want to pray over us. And so, Father, thank you for your word. I pray that uh, every one of us here, everyone watching online, all of us that have broken places, everyone has uh, areas of feeling defeated. I pray, God, that you would, uh, by your spirit, uh, set in motion the uprooting of every lie that has lodged itself in our minds. I pray that every stronghold that holds us, that would be, would, we would be released of that. Father, thank you that you are able to deliver and heal and set free. Thank you that your name is above every name. And may we remember that we're not who people say we are. We're not the labels we are who you say that we are, that you call us righteous by faith. I am who you say I am, chosen, forgiven, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. 